Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Down in Front. This week we're talking about Irma Gerd Burks. 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 My name is always is Team I'm sitting here with Michael Dorkman Scott. Hello. And Trey the Amazing Stokes. Hey. Just two happy doing some reading. Two happy blokes that uh, are literate and uh, <laughs> yeah, true. The, ba- the, the baseline requirements the only for making recommendations because we know that a lot of our listeners are going to be traveling around uh, the holidays this year, spending a lot of time on airplanes and with those pads you have. We thought we might uh, give you some. Uh, some of our preferences for uh, what we like to read, what we've enjoyed, and what we've been looking at lately. Um, the the stuff. It, we, uh, let's talk generally for a second before we get into new stuff and 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 revelations. What, what are books? What are like? The, <laughs> yeah, what we're talking about. What are the? Uh, what Picture are your? This if you can. What are your like classics favorites? Like not necessarily like Dickens, but the ones that they've been around forever and you just love that book and you can keep it by all the time i, I mean i i'm a big fan everyone knows i'm a big fan of snow crash i really like lucifer's hammer i need to reread both of those i haven't read either in a while but yes snow crash is a cyberpunk dystopian madness it's it's a, a lurid hyper colorful fucking weirdo it's neil stevenson early before he got kind of good at ending books but that's beside the point it's yeah. a lot of fun to read i recommend that one and also uh what i just mentioned lucifer's hammer is a uh uh, a realistic take on a, an asteroid uh, event yes. and uh, the world destruction and aftermath uh, of that. It's really cool. It's a good I, like, I like Lucifer's Hammer. I haven't read in a while. The, the one that came out either just before or just after that one, it's also Niven and Pornell. Larry Niven and Jerry Pornell co-wrote Lucifer's Hammer, didn't they? I think so. Um, they also co-wrote a book called Footfall, which is about an alien invasion, which is uh, also an epic story uh, that I really enjoyed. And, um, it's Especially the, especially the way they ended that one was really fun. The other ones that I go back to, I mean, if you, it's a fifth grade reading level and it'll break your fucking heart. But where the red fern grows is a is a big oh, one for oh, me. Wow. Oh, it's a, I mean, it's a great book. <laughs> it's a lot of fun to read. You know, a separate I was, piece. I was just recently. <laughs> I was going to say that. <laughs> Got a separate piece. Good. Got it. Marner. I never heart. actually. Uh, oh. I had never actually read White Fang, but I recently read White Fang and I liked it a lot. Um, Jack London, but yeah. Uh, to build the, a fire, but you know the the rest of them that I have are more recent revelations or things that I found that I really got into. Those are just sort of the the old standards that I really do like to read and go back to all the time. What about you, Mike? Um, like books that have been in your life for ten years or more. I don't really. I there are so many books I don't really revisit them a lot. To be honest, um, it's uh, it's difficult to think of. Come, well, now that we're saying ten years or more, I'm like that would be Harry Potter, I guess. Yeah, really. Um, well, well, how about but, really solid recommendations? Stuff that you're not even worried about recommending. Um, that can be so subjective, though. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, obviously it is. But. Well, oh, I don't know. Are we talking about stuff that's been around for a long time, or just in general? I'm just, we're, we're just having around. a conversation, but I was sort of starting to. <laughs> just, this is just this is just routine, routine I, questions. I have a lot of I, you know I have a lot of stuff. Yeah, that just I've, asking question. Yes. But like, you know the secondary question is like, what have you been into lately? What have you been reading that you like? Well, I'm, talk, I'm talking I'll, about the, the before that. I'll the, buy Mike a little time and say the one the one answer. That comes to mind for me is that it's is a book that I read to to death in high school because um, it was current then for me um, and and hadn't read in the, however many years it's been since high school and recently 15, just, 20. yeah or so um, and picked up a copy just like two years ago picked up a copy of it again to reread it and see if it was you know anywhere like the experience of reading in high school um, and was was amazed like it was 
just as good. And and I was amazed how much I, I pretty much had memorized it. I was reading it going, yep, I know this part. Yeah, I, just, I remember all of it. Right. Um, is um, And your mileage may vary, but Summer of 42, it's called. And you may not even have ever heard of that book. No. But it was, at the time, it was a big bestseller and became a movie that did pretty well, too. And the movie's a pretty good approximation of the book, too. But it can't quite capture the book because the book is all told in the first person. Um, and so it's all about the inner monologue of, of the main character, who is like a teenage guy. Um, during World War II, who's spending summer with his family on an island? I think you know, like a like Nan, not Nantucket, but one of those kind of you know New New Englandy kind of um, off the coast of you know New York State or something like that. It's a summer place where people go, and it's just about how he has this obsession with this older woman, and of course he's a teenager and he's never you know been with a woman, and it's it's just about the inner monologue of teenage boys, and it's about the most realistic. It's like if you're female, if any females ever listen to our podcast, <laughs> if you want to know what men think, Summer of 42 is the most clearest picture of what a man's brain does um, when you just think you're drinking coffee. It's like this is what's going on in a person's brain, in a male brain, especially a teenage male brain. It's hysterically funny. Um, it's weird because it's a period piece. It's set during World War II. Um, and so it's kind of interesting cultural study that way. But it's just I, it's just to me as, as hysterically funny as the first time I read it. And I get it more so now because I even get more of the jokes and the references right. than I did at the time. So Summer 42, I, and it's, it's a short book. It's, it's a pretty quick read. Um, I, I really recommend you checking it out just because it's timeless in the, fact, in the way it's about how teenage boys think. Right. What about uh, Hitchhikers, Mike? Uh, Hitchhikers was good. I've only I've only read it a couple times, but I I do love it. I need to revisit it. What I used to read all the time, actually, and what I recently kind of rediscovered a little bit is like old school Stephen King stuff. Yeah, because early because, Stephen King is great. Yeah, because I was burnt. You know, similar to how the the Star Wars prequels left a bad taste in my mouth for the the originals, and I could you know haven't really been able to watch them for a little while. Um, the ending of the Dark Tower series just made me go, you know, I just mm -hmm. uh, oh Stephen, I can't. But um, because of because we've been getting into shooting more and stuff like that, I remembered he Stephen King has this whole his whole dollar baby. Yeah. Um, policy that he does. So I was, I went back and I was, he's got a, a page on his site now saying these stories are available for adaptation. So I was going back and rereading um, some of them, especially I haven't read some of his newer short story collections, so I hadn't even read some of them, but going back and reading some of his older ones, I wound up reading like the entire book and not just the the, the specific short stories and going, man, these were really good back then. And now yeah. I'm I'm wanting to go back and reread some of the, the novels as well, like It and The Stand and Pet Which Cemetery ones uh, stood out to like you? That. Um, the, well, uh, It and yeah. The Stand and Pet I, Cemetery. I Pet Cemetery. I read that one in a while. Pet Cemetery is the only book I can think of that scared the hell out of me. Salem's Lot was the scariest for me. Okay. Salem's I, Lot scared the hell out. I need to reread Salem's Lot because I remember that one being pretty good. There's there's certain scenes that stand out to me, but I don't remember much of it. Um, it's a pretty mind. good TV miniseries as well. Yeah, at the time, but has has some scary moments in it that are pretty much one of yeah. the most horrifying things ever on television. Certainly. What about uh, the new stuff? What have you What have you been reading lately? Stuff that might actually be at like an airport bookstore these days. Game of Thrones is going to be there. Yeah, for sure. There you go. I, I recently just. It, I was at a place with Game of Thrones, just like I am right now with, and it's a little bit different, but with Hunger Games, in that I saw Game of Thrones, the miniseries, knew nothing about it. You know, I went and said, oh my God, Game of Thrones, oh my God, Game of Thrones <laughs> is, you know, the most amazing thing ever. I had um, a chance to watch it. I was like, wow, that's really great. I feel like now I want to read the book. So I read the book that, you know, matches the first season of Game of Thrones. I was like, well, there's 
four more books. Do I want to, you know, get ahead of myself or do I want to wait or what? And I, I decided to, to keep on going and it just, I just plowed right on through. Just, you know, thought that, thought those were all great. So I've read all of them now up to that point. Um, as opposed to Hunger Games, where same thing, saw the movie, said, well, I'll check out that book. Um, but I'm kind of, I'm not, I guess I'm not, it's good and bad. I'm not as engaged in Hunger Games where I must know what happens next. It's like, I think I probably will wait for the next movie to tell me what happens next. I don't need to know that badly otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I, I, I thought Hunger Games, the book was was fine for a, you know, a YA, uh, basically, which is what it is. But um, you know, Young adult? Yeah. Uh, I was like, uh, I was like, okay. You know, I, I actually found the movie better than the book, really. I agree. But, um, but, uh, you know, I can say, I can see why this is, you know, why this caught on, you know, this is really kind of interesting and fun and intriguing and, and all that. Um, so there were those, I mean, those are, those are sort of clearly going to be in your airport. Yeah. Rotating stand. The one, uh, um, one of the airport stand ones for me that'll be there right now is, um, I don't know how everyone out there feels about Neil Stevenson or if you've ever read him before. Uh, he's the one who wrote Snow Crash and a bunch of other stuff. He wrote the, uh, Baroque cycle and Diamond Age and a bunch of other stuff, but, uh, he has a reputation for kind of losing himself in the third act, and then the movie just kind of, you know, the book kind of goes <laughs> and stops. Uh, and he's gotten a lot better about that lately. His latest one is called Reemd. It, it looks like it should be Read Me, but the D and the M are flipped. Uh, Reemd, and it's about a World of Warcraft like MMORPG that this guy has created, and it's about the economy inside that game and how it affects the outside world. And then ransoms start happening and, and interesting things like that. And it's an action book. And it's the it's a fast read. You just I just plowed through that book. And uh, it actually delightfully tells one story the whole time and then finishes the story at the end of it. And it was a, it was a good one. His one right before that might even still be at the airport bookstore, which is called Anathem or Anathem, uh, which is more. I, I loved it. I loved it hard. The ending is more of the. <laughs> but, the uh, but it's not necessarily going to be everyone's cup of tea. It's basically about a monastic commune uh, where they for the lack of a better word, idolize uh, theorems and, and, and uh, arguments, proofs, and debate and uh, what happens in the universe inside this book. That's the only time in my life that you hear people say things about like Harry Potter. Oh, I wish I could just live in that world or Avatar or whatever. That's the only book I've ever read where I was like, God, I wish I lived in this world. This is so cool. It's just this weird like farming commune wherein all they do is get really good at at abstract debate and, uh, and proofs and, and things like that. Um, but Reemdee, uh, strong recommend. Uh, it's a it's a it's a quick read. Well, it's not a quick read, but it, it, you will mm-hmm. you will you will plow through it pretty quickly. It's a lot of fun. The uh, the uh, chat just brought up yes. In terms of in terms of <laughs> books burbs. from my childhood, <laughs> goosebumps. Yes. Goosebumps have. Uh, were it feels weird definitely. to say goosebumps after. Yeah, yeah. yeah. goosebumps. Goosebumps. Oh, that sounds overly enunciated now. But which, of course, I'm too old for for the goosebumps. I'm aware of the I'm aware of the phenomenon, but never have actually read it. They were um, uh, they're 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 fun little reads. Yeah. Um, they, I mean, the, the, you know, I probably would have had it been the right age at the right time. Yeah. I, I probably would have thought they were awesome. Stein churned them out like one a month. Yeah. It was amazing. And what's but, crazy is he has been really on top of uh, making the point that he didn't do Ghost Riders. A lot right. of the people who do like those fifty books of yeah, a of Sweet a YA, High. yeah, it's like you know one name's on the cover as back, covered in the movie Young Adults, but, uh, but which you, is worth. But you know for a fact that you know they might write one a year if they write one a year. It's someone else and their name gets slapped on it. And Earl Stein's been very adamant about pointing out, I really did write all those books. I did that shit, y'all. Yeah. Now bear in mind, you know they're about. I built that. They're two pennies high and about three pennies to buy. But <laughs> yeah, I just wrote one just now. Yeah, <laughs> but while I was talking to you, I wrote fun. one. And it's 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 odd how many he wrote because they're all different horror stories they're all different little campfire stories how many he came up with is cool 
the um I, I'll I'll also put out um a recommendation. Uh, I I recommended him on my blog a little while back, but but just in general, anything by Charlie Houston. It's spelled Huston, but I think it's pronounced Houston. Um, is he is just a fantastic writer, and it, one of one of my favorite series that he has um, is the called the Joe Pitt Case Books. It's a series of five. Um, it's it's five books in the series, and it's about a um, a vampire private eye in New York in the wow. in the modern day, and kind of the the secret vampire underbelly of New York, and and the the different clans and stuff like that, and and all of that. And uh, the first book is called Already Dead. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's just an incredibly fast read and and so engaging and so like the the kind of book that they talk about like you can't put it down because it just it just w- goes from one one thing to the next and it just keeps going and he's so amazing at the the way he writes description and stuff like that and also really fantastic at differentiating character voices like characters all speak in a very particular way to the point where maybe you could consider it affected because it's like not people don't talk that differently all the time (laughs) but he does it so well and the characters are so entertaining that you you enjoy reading them and and he almost never says who is talking you just know because of the way they're speaking and so so i would I would uh, definitely recommend that series. It starts with Already Dead. But like I said, anything that he writes, he wrote another series that the first book is called Caught Stealing, which is not supernatural. It's just also just a general kind of crime uh, crime novel and stuff like that. But it's but his he writes it's funny and it's tragic and dramatic and stuff like that. And it's um, I wound up reading the Already Dead books like and and the Caught Stealing books. Just one after the other. It's like I'd finish and go. I ha- I need it. I need the next one, and I just pick it up <laughs> immediately. It. I I introduce my everyone I've introduced it to has loved him. So um, I introduced my roommate to it, and he literally could not stop reading. He started <laughs> reading, and he had like plans for the day. It was like a Saturday, and he just wound <laughs> up sitting there reading the entire. It was wow. amazing. So. Well, the when, before we started recording, we we're talking about doing this topic. You know, we said. Uh, what books are you reading? And I, I realized that I'd brought by, I, I have a Nook. I am a user of a Nook. So its primary function is, is as a e-reader. Um, and so I realized that everything I've read, read lately is right on here. So I can just scroll through how, how perfect a topic is. And actually on the topic of Stephen King, I think Teague is with me on this one. I really enjoyed his uh, 112263. Yes, dude. Yes. Which and I have right here on this device. Have you finished it yet? I, I read it. Yeah, I got it way back when. It's a big one. That's another one of his big yeah, fat. When you, a, if you actually a, buy it, it's, it's three thickie. inches wide. Uh, but on the subject of. Then 11, that, and that's one where he did not blow the dismount, unlike many recent books. Yeah, he's. Uh, oh, I need to read that one. And under it's, the dome. it's actually quite good. I'm it, hearing really like, good things about it. From it's, like no, it's, it's, yeah. it's a fun one, and you'll, and you'll like it. And what's crazy about 112263 is because it cues into one of the authors I was going to recommend. Um, because I've lately got on this huge ass Robert Charles Wilson kick. Uh, he wrote a novel called A Bridge of Years that I actually don't like that much, but it plays with a similar concept of eleven twenty two sixty three is about uh, a guy finding a little hole in a diner goes back in nineteen six nineteen fifty eight or something. And 60, 60. Well, he has well, to like it's, it's, he has to like live. It's like sixty one is when he but arrives. He, he goes back and, and he basically makes it his duty 59. to stop the JFK assassination, but. That doesn't happen for years yet, so he just lives a life in 1963 as a you know fish out of water, and it's cool. A Bridge of Years is a similar conceit, and I don't think it's as good. But Robert Charles Wilson also wrote a novel that I I adore, I love. It's called Spin, 
and I'll give you the I'll give you the high concept pitch. Uh, one day the stars went out, and um, it's it, it starts there as these these kids watch the uh, the literally all the stars good, good go start, out. Good pitch. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm and, listening. Uh, and you go on. And you, what ends up happening is you watch what happens a to the world as they start to panic and the religious implications of that and all this stuff, and then eventually get over it because what uh, what who cares? Um, <laughs> And uh, it's not like the sun disappears. It's just the stars do. And it becomes this – basically, it follows the mystery of that for a little while until you start to find out what's going on. Uh, and it and instead of it being a letdown, it just gives you more questions and then the book gets into those. And it's fucking awesome. It's a lot of fun. It was actually the first of a trilogy that included – oh, God. Oh, shit. Axis and Vortex, I think. Uh, I, I, I didn't really get that into Axis and I haven't read Vortex yet. Uh, but Spin by itself is a really great novel. He also wrote a story that I love called the chronoliths and the chronoliths is another sci-fi high concept idea which is basically that one day uh in some obscure asian hole in the ground a uh, 600 foot glass monument just appears and no one knows how it came from it's made of materials that aren't familiar to us and on this stone is the inscription of a war victory 20 years in the future huh. in the same place and then another one and another one. And they start seeing these out-of-time monuments to victories of war that haven't happened yet and dealing with the public reaction to that and solving that, that one. He, he tends to deal in things like something Spielberg might make a movie about. Some extraordinary thing happens and people are trying to deal with it. Kind of a Close Encounters thing. But that's Robert Charles Wilson. Highly recommend Spin and the Chronoliths. Nice. nice. But that got off of the 112263 yeah. thing on Trees Nook. Um, I'll put out a, uh, a recommendation for a book that, that a lot of people aren't going to have heard of. Uh, the Translated Man is I read it as a title. Yeah, I've heard um, of that. I've well is I've Heinlein? No, no, a ah. guy named Chris Brack. Ah. It's a, a it's a, it's a recent book? It's a recent book. It's actually a book that I like so much I, I contacted him and actually optioned it to try and ah. make a movie out of it. So I've like written a script for it and everything. Um that's how much I love this book. <laughs> I highly recommend it. It's really difficult to kind of describe and quantify. It's like an industrial kind of steampunk urban fantasy um it takes place in in an alternate world and there's kind of uh magic and technology and stuff like that it's like i said it's really difficult to to kind of describe and i had a better pitch for it a while ago but i i, I didn't come into how this long is the book that. the book is not long and and it's available i mean you can get it through like you know lulu or something but it's primarily a kindle book and it's only like three four bucks so cool. I, I highly recommend it <clears throat> Another a, a young adult one that I recommend. Uh, I'm a big fan of John Green as a guy. I haven't liked all of his books so much, but his current one you'll probably find at the airport. It's a blue book with a white and black storm cloud on it, uh, called "The Fault in Our Stars," which is about a little girl who has cancer and uh, a boy she meets in one of the cancer meetings and what they do with their time uh, as it you know slowly dwindles away. And uh, it's a good it's a good read. Um, like I said, it airs towards. The, the young adult crowd, but you can certainly get a lot out of it, even as uh, as is. And if you haven't read it yet, uh, World War Z. Yeah. The movie coming out. Oh, yeah. Yes, they, please. They got the movie coming out. Um, but Unless you don't want to be massively disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> skip the movie. Just read it. From, from what I'm seeing in the trailer, skip the apparently, movie. Apparently, the they have come out recently with an audiobook that apparently is awesome. Okay. Yeah, because it's, it's read good, by a lot of great like actors. Alan Alda and those guys. Yeah, apparently the audiobook. And speaking of which, um, actually, I took a recommendation from, from Teague a while back, which I, I will pass on. Um, I, I mentioned that I was... Uh, we're all Patton Oswalt fans here. And oh, yeah, uh, I said, uh, Zon- yeah, his latest book is called Zombie Spaceship Wasteland. And Teague said, don't read it. Get the audio book where he reads it himself. 
um, which I, I I took him up on that offer, and that's actually true. Although you know, I, I, it's worth reading as well. But the audiobook version, where because of course it's him, it's part him reading it, but part him also giving you lots of footnotes on the sides. Yeah, about. He's- as he's reading it, he to enjoys you. the meta audiobook. Yeah. So, uh, but Zombie Spaceship is this a series of essays, um, most of which are are factual essays about mm-hmm. you know his his youth and and growing up and all that. But that's a lot of fun if you like Patton Oswalt, um, like the culture at his movie theater that he worked yeah. at. And um, actually, uh, and- a uh, a book that uh, Mike mentioned in uh, in um, the commentary that we just did. I have have it right here because I read it not that long ago. Is uh, Making Movies by Sidney Lumet. Yes. Um, which is a fascinating book. You can skip the couple of chapters where he talks about the technical process of making movies because it's outdated by 20 years. But um, he talks about post-production in, in, in a way that's sort of like reading ancient history now. It's like, yeah. well, when they embalmed the Pharaoh, they, this is how they would do it. Right. But um, but talking about Sidney Lumet is uh, one of our great directors who you may not know about, but uh, directed many classic movies. And, and he talks about just the process and, and, and some anecdotes and working with various actors and, and things like that. But it's just about, it's literally, it's about making movies. It's, he wrote a book about the process of making movies and that's highly recommended. And actually that got me sort of onto a, a trip of, of film history and, and in general that, uh, of course, you know, if you, if you use a Nook or a Kindle, um, it works just like iTunes where it's like, Oh, you like this? Then how about these? Right. And how about this? And how about this? And just like iTunes, you can listen to 30 seconds of a song with the Nook and the Kindle, I assume with the Kindle. You can read Nook. like a chapter. You can, they'll, yes. they'll download like the first 30 pages, which is awesome because you can kind of go, I don't care about, you know, no, that's not really grabbing me or, or, or you can go, I, give me this, give me the rest of this right now, which is exactly what it's designed to do. So, so making movies, then it said, well, you might like this, you might like this. Um, so a couple of others that it uh, tripped me onto that I kind of liked, if you like, you know, history, but in terms of, <laughs> we're talking about history that's 20 years ago, which is how in America we think of history is 20 <laughs> years ago. Um, one of which is uh, Rebels, Rebels on the Back Lot. Oh, which yeah. Is, which is, uh, I, think, I, think, I think Mike's right. And uh, that's about, again, recent history, but that's about the, you know, how, you know, where did Quentin Tarantino really come from? And how, you know, and Spielberg and Lucas and all those guys, you know, and that, that crowd. Um, and another one that I just, um, I read and I'm actually currently rereading, which uh, Teague, you might do, this is where Patton Oswalt comes together, is, um, and where is it? I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling. Um, it's, it's a book called Infamous Players. It's written by Peter Bart, who was one of the uh, honchos um, at uh, Paramount back when Robin Evans was in charge. <laughs> and uh, Patton Oswalt has his famous oh. routine about, hi, I'm Bob Evans. Well, I'm Bob Evans. Well, Bob Evans was this guy who was a nobody that by a weird series of events ended up being in charge of Paramount. And, uh, you know, I was like, why did, they, why did they put that guy in charge of Paramount? What the hell? Bob you know? Evans? Yeah, Bob Evans. His, his book is called The Kids Days in the Picture. Yeah, which I, that, I'm intrigued to read that book. But, but Infamous Players is written by Peter Bart, who was his right-hand man. Peter Bart, was a, Peter Bart was a film critic for Variety or whatever, for New York, New York in New York. Um, and he just got convinced to, to come out and help me co-run, you know, Paramount. So for several years during, the, during a, an amazing time at Paramount when they made The Godfather. Like and Rosemary's and Baby and all Chinatown that. and things like that. You know that they presided over this, and and a, a whole lot of bombs too, a whole lot of movies you've never heard of that were huge, expensive bombs, and uh, it's just about the day to day craziness of you know working for Bob Evans. That how sounds about, like fun. How about pictures? Infamous it's called Play- Infamous Players. Infamous Players by Peter Bart. Check it out. That's a good one. And um, and I'm scrolling through. I'm scrolling. Through. I have one while you're scrolling. Yes. Um, this will be in your airport bookstore right now. Um, uh, a lot of people are, and a lot of people aren't familiar with. The book John Dies at the End, mm, yes, uh, which and, the, and it's kind of an interesting story of how it came to be. If you haven't heard it, I'll give it to you in a sentence. But basically, 
uh, the guy who the name he writes under is David Wong, who is the editor of Cracked.com. Over the course of a couple of years, many years ago, six or seven years ago, wrote what is effectively a book by publishing long short stories online that people would read. And it was collated, edited a bit and released as a novel called John Dies at the end, which is what it was called at the time. And it's not, it's, it's hysterically funny. It's very scary. It's fun. It's kind of a Ghostbusters thing. It's about two kind of slacker guys who end up with interesting supernatural abilities, or at least the ability to see supernatural things and fighting them and saving the world and all that shit. And it's funny and cool and good. And uh, what he said makes way more like sense in a linear here's fashion. The, but here's the, the, does, here's yeah. the thing about John dies at the end, as it is correlated from multiple stories and kind of pull into one big thing. It's kind of an uneven reading experience. You kind of get lost a few times and I'm not, I can't, in all honesty, recommend John Dies at the end. However, it's amusing. Uh, after um, and, and there's a book, com- uh, movie coming out that Don Coscarelli directed. Um, uh, but he's a Bubba Hotep guy. But the sequel to that, book, I think of him as the Phantasm guy. But yeah, yeah same same guy. The uh, the sequel to that book is uh, very recently came out. It's called This Book Is Full of Spiders. Uh, <laughs> you will see it on the shelves. It's an orange book and it's covered in spiders. Uh, and it was written after John Dies at the end was published and a minor success. This is a book that was written as a book, and boy, does it sing as a result. It's a lot of fun to read. It's one story the whole time through. And to give you a – you actually can skip John Dies at the End. You do not have to read it to read this book full of spiders because the only thing that really matters is by the end of John Dies at the End, they can see shit that no one else can. It's like the success. That's it. That's all. And uh, this book is full of spiders. introduces a whole new uh, problem, which is these demonic creatures that run around and possess people and basically result – in folks being, I guess, zombie-ish. But what ends up happening is the entire book is about the quarantine process and these two guys that end up getting stuck in the quarantine and trying to find their way out of it while solving the problem from inside. It's a lot of fun to read. It's scary. It reads fast. And uh, big recommendation. Uh, and, this this and, book is full of spiders. And I do – well, I do want to point out just for people who aren't familiar with it because I read John Dies at the end and I enjoyed it. But, you know, as a – as an, it's difficult to recommend. I enjoyed it as a as a – thing i read on the internet if i had bought mm-hmm. it as a book it might have annoyed me a little bit um but the, you know to, to get a feel for the kind of thing that that you're talking about in the kind of tone the full title including the subtitle is this book is full of spiders seriously dude don't touch it <laughs> that's the full title of that <laughs> that's, book that's an intriguing title <laughs> so anyway uh but i, I Trey, if you want to read that i can actually lend you the book but whatever or, or my an actual book an actual, an actual book, book with yeah. pages all right yeah i, I am intrigued by that my, what else yeah. you find on your uh your scrolling I, I, well i'm finding one and this is one again it's it's a it's a kind of a specific one but i really really liked it and again um it's it's partly because of the historical perspective because i guess to you guys steve martin is kind of akin to what what uh born standing up what elvis is to me it's like elvis is that that fat old guy right um i oh, mean no, no, you know no. being someone who was you know around and and you know 15 16 years old when steve martin suddenly exploded into the you know this you know, the whole saturday night live thing that he you know was part of and, and back when saturday night live was really actually was cool and awesome and edgy and weird and different and new um as opposed to the stodgy old war horse that it is now yeah but um you know back in them days when and steve martin just being this amazing you know oh my god this is you know the new face of comedy that no one ever does this kind of thing um yeah born standing up which are you have you read it oh i love it i've read it i've read it twice and yeah. also got the audiobook that he read oh I, I i would be interested in the audiobook it's born standing up is 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 kind of an interesting topic it's 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 just him talking about how he became a stand-up comedian but it ends when he got famous because when he got famous he stopped doing stand-up yeah he became he became famous as like the stand-up guy and then the end of the book is and then i was playing to an arena with twenty-two thousand people and going i think i'm done with this after having done it for 20 years to try and get bit famous and make something of his career and you know 10 years of everyone going you suck 
what are you, you know, that's not even comedy, what you're doing. What are you doing? Right. And just the whole, you know, he started out performing at Knott's Berry Farm, you know, in, in, in the, Disneyland. In, yeah. yeah. And then doing the Disneyland pride and stuff and, and, uh, you know, touring these horrifying little clubs and, and, uh, you know, being that guy that everyone hated before the music act came on, you know, he, he spent decades doing that and suddenly became big. And, and so it's, it's literally just him detailing the process of what that was like and what he did. It's and, a fun and, read. And what, what happened with him. And, uh, but then it ends when you know he gets famous because that's when he stopped doing stand-up. And it's amazingly dry. I mean, you know, it's like he's yeah. a very deadpan guy. So it's not like it's full of wacky humor. It's it's very documentarian of and then I did this and then I toured this place and I you know had this horrible evening at this terrible club and so on. But uh, it was a, it's a fascinating thing about you know it's 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 about the 20 years he spent becoming Steve Martin before anyone ever knew he existed. Right. And and it may, you read it and you you wonder why did you keep going? It's one of those things. It's like, what on earth possessed you to keep doing that when you were getting so no, we were getting no results whatsoever from it. I look forward to uh, when Louis C.K. writes his book. Yeah, of that. Yeah, oh, she's going to hate that process. <laughs> um, the other one. Uh, I, I, lately, I've been reading a lot of uh, autobiographies. Uh, I, I got on a kick of that because when I'm working, I like to have a book playing from Audible, yeah. which is only you know for the low price of six hundred dollars an hour. <laughs> um, but what's cool about that is autobiographies tend to get read by the authors, and I like that. Yeah. Uh, Bossy Pants by Tina Fey is. I, I was going to recommend that. Keep meaning to check that one. Is out. excellent, and if you can at all get the audiobook with her reading it, it's it's perfect. It's wonderful, and the book <laughs> is great. Even uh, even just reading, I read it. I didn't get the audiobook, yeah. but even just reading it, you can read it in her voice. You hear it in her voice. Cool. Yeah, she's good. But uh, the other, she like she'll actually they kept in the editor of the audiobook kept in asides where it's like I, when I when I said this line, and it's like. And Lisa's saying that's not the case, but just go on. And just like there's, there's shit like that in the audiobook. Uh, another one, um, American on Purpose by Craig Ferguson is. Oh. You don't know, man. You don't even. You out. don't even know. Craig Ferguson's a cool. He's my favorite of the late night guys. He's mine. Everyone has yeah. their own. I'm actually. I never mine really. Too. As much as I, 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 you know, was on Conan's side. I'm never. I'm not actually a big of a fan of Conan, um, nor Jimmy or Jimmy or Jay or David, but. But Craig Ferguson is my guy, and his his book American on Purpose is about becoming an American, growing up in Scotland as a as a deeply troubled alcoholic, drug addict, uh, addicted uh, member of like bands that would open for U two, and they might be giants and shit. And he was a drummer, and and dealing with all of the the, the mythos of his weirdo, drunken fifteen year period there. And it's really interesting and well read. Not something that I super recommend, um, but it was good. And if you can get him reading it, that's great. But the one that was really surprising to me, I, I bought it on a whim. And like I said, Audible is a weird place to have whims because it's an expensive service. You know, it's <laughs> it's forty it's forty bucks for a long book sometimes. Um, but you're not subscribed. I'm not. No, I just buy oh. them straight, straight up, dude. Should I? You're doing it all wrong. How much? How much? What do I get if I subscribe? The subscription is like fifteen bucks a month, and every every month you get a credit for a book, and it's like it doesn't. Like some books, some really popular books, like the Game of Thrones ones, will be two credits, but most of them are one credit. So it's I should, like, you're right. I should. Yeah. Said. But here's the one that I, I bought on a whim, and I was worried about it until it started being amazing. Um, Rob Lowe. Ah, oh, uh, really? Yeah. Rob Lowe's autobiography. A interesting story because he was sort of a tertiary member of the Brat Pack, and he was rolling with Charlie Sheen and Tom Cruise and all those guys back in the day. And he tells stories about working with Francis Ford Coppola and being surprised and being a massive fan of Apocalypse Now at age eight and incidentally moving next door to the Sheens and <laughs> weird shit that Martin Sheen would do in the 70s when he was still kind of kooky. 
and like he'd be like poaching through the bushes in their backyard and scaring people and yelling at them in camo and shit and here's the thing though here's the big thing about the rob love one and it's a great read he's actually an oddly good writer he's a very intelligent and talented writer but read when he reads it who to thunk that Rob Lowe is an incredible impressionist. And when he's talking, when he's telling the story about Charlie Sheen or about Michael J. Fox or about Robert Denny Jr., he, he nails the voices in a way that like, it's like when your granddad writes you a book and he, you know, he, he does the voices and you like that. It's amazing. Uh, and it's a lot of fun. And I was, I was honestly surprised at how much I enjoyed uh, Rob Lowe's autobiography. I forget the name of it. Stories I only tell my friends. That's I, right. As, oh, okay. If I recall. Yeah, that's right. Um, it's vaguely worth, worth a listen. Book. I don't know if it's worth a read or not, but that was the one that surprised me the most. Tina Fey is across the board great. Yeah. There's a there's a couple of um if you if you're looking for some nonfiction a couple of books that'll that'll might interest you um of the um kind of science like uh, psychological uh, or skeptical bent there are two called there's one called you are not so smart which is based on a blog which is about how people misinterpret the data that comes to them from their senses nice. or misunderstand statistics and stuff like that and how you know you you think you're you you. You think things are one way, but they're actually another way. You think you react to to things based on you know reason, but you actually react based on emotion. That one's obvious, but it's a it's a really good list. It's like some you know eighty six kind of mini or something like that mini chapters about um, you know just the way that you lie to yourself without realizing it, and and you know it's informative and can can help you maybe not do that so much um and everyone does that so that's why you are not so smart and uh on a similar note uh paranormality which is about why people there's a bo- there's a book called why people believe weird things but that's yes. not what this one is i'm in that one yeah. oh yeah <laughs> yeah it's about alien autopsy comes oh, up. oh okay one. okay um paranormality is uh you know about where the impulse for believing in stuff like ghosts and and right. spirits and stuff like that comes yeah. from and it's 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 a really fascinating book i actually um uh i would put it up on uh, with demon haunted world in terms of if you want to read books about like thinking scientifically and critically you should read demon haunted world and you should read paranormality but paranormality is one of the newer ones so People get uh, slightly annoyed with Malcolm Gladwell, but if you haven't, yeah, I was just if, about to if go. If you haven't read him before, Blink Tipping Point, right there. Blink, uh, <laughs> bought them both recently and tipping, read them. Tipping Point is great. Blink is great. Uh, bear in mind, people. The reason people don't like him is a. Sometimes he draws odd conclusions, or he assembles and frames arguments in a way that seems as if it's entirely full of holes, which they may in fact be. But in terms of reads, Blink is great. Tipping Point is great. I liked Outliers. And what the dog saw is kind of odd. It's kind of a collection. Outliers of is my favorite. I haven't read what the Out, dog saw, but I've read the other. Outliers three. is I like that. Outliers is really really fascinating, um, and that takes us to if we haven't mentioned it enough already, Freakonomics and Freakonomics Two. Well worth a read if you're interested in some. Yeah, of the, they're fun. Those are the uh, world behind the all world. of the Gladwells and all of the Levitt books are yeah. uh, great airplane reads. And then um, that also has someone else I've plugged that I because of the Jeez. if you like this one you might also like this and I was like Bing 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 just working my way through is. Um, uh, Mary, what is her name? I'm trying to scroll. McCormick. Not McCormick. She's she's good too, though. I like her. Um, did her sister sister win the election? Don't know. After that great. Although uh, I thought I thought that was cloying. Said the best. I thought that was a little. Yeah. A little. Mary much. McCormick, someone who was on the West Wing for like a year and a half, calling mm-hmm. up all of them and saying, "Will you please be in a thing for my sister's?" Po-? Yeah. It seemed a little. The apocalypse now joke was worth it. Though. It was, yeah. But um, I'm just I'm trying. Mary, Mary. I want to say Mary Roche, but that's that's. And now, of course, I can't find them. What's the book, though? 
Um, well, she wrote a series of them. Uh, uh, yeah, Mary Roach. That's her name. Um, she wrote a series um, for a while. She had like similar titles. Um, and I've, we've talked about it before. Uh, Bonk, uh, Spook, and Stiff. Um, Bonk is about it's it's there are a series of essays um, all collated into into a theme. Uh, Bonk is about the scientific study of sex and about you know things that you know. There are scientists who are studying sex and aspects of sex and things like that. So bon that that book is called Bonk. Um, Stiff is about it's, it's, it's Stiff is the strange world of cadavers, which is about all the weird, freaky stuff that we do with cadavers, which is fascinating. Like I'm one, sure, the body farm is in it. Exactly, the body farm is in there. One chapter is about crash testing. Oh, about uh, you know about sitting there. Bonk, spook, and stiff. Stiff. Uh, spook is a bird for life after death. Um, and then her most recent one where she abandoned the one word title, which is highly recommended, is called Packing for Mars, which is all about the different aspects of long term interstellar travel and how we're studying those. Like, for example, I want to read all four of those. Books. Yeah, they're fantastic. They're all I recommend all of them. Um, uh, Stiff is especially fascinating just because it's so bizarre. Um, Stiff, the first read the first start with Stiff. Stiff is probably the best one just because it's such a weird topic of the ways that people use cadaver and the first the first chapter of stiff doesn't like grab your attention i don't know what will because it's about um it's she describes it because she describes it cold she just comes right in in fact i've i've got the book right here perhaps i could you know let me talk amongst yourselves for a second let me just find like you know hopefully copyright will allow me to read an excerpt if i'm going to recommend for fair use a gladwell book yeah. i probably recommend blink i think that's the one for which he is most known but it's also the book that rightly put him on the world stage. Mike, what were you going to say? Yeah, I got to recommend uh, Wank, but no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Wank, I, it's a, I'm surprised she didn't get around to that. Yeah, but um, I, I was going to say, um, going back to the uh, fiction side, I mentioned World War Z. There's a lot of zombie books on there are Amazon. Lots. And I'm a little shocked by that because like... It's a, it's a thing. I, I, get why there, I get why there's a lot of zombie movies because it's like cheap to make and there's kind of always yeah. demand i'm not sure why zombie books are such a thing but okay yeah, yeah. they are um yeah exactly i, I, I just gonna... downloaded a whole bunch of you might like also likes of that yeah. that uh, I'm, I'm one of them i might I'm, i think i'm gonna buy but yeah. I, there's a there's a um there's a series called the zombie bible which is basically taking taking stories from from the bible and from biblical times and recasting them as the stories in the bible are are kind of veiled tellings of these occurrences of zombie outbreaks in the ancient world um and they're it so far it hasn't gone for the low-hanging fruit of you know jesus the zombie or anything like that it's actually they're actually really really well written and really very much about um you know dealing with you know these are these are people of faith and they're dealing with the idea of of life and death and life after death and and you know what does what does this mean that that the dead are coming back what does this mean for for you know what we believe about our culture and about the dead and stuff like that and kind of wrestling with these things philosophically and wrestling with their faith and even someone who is not religious at all um i honestly find it really fascinating and and especially in areas where it's like you know, um, in ancient Rome, so you've got kind of the the Jewish early Christians and the the Romans who worship their gods and the different ways that they react to the zombie outbreak and stuff like that. So there, I've read the first two books. The third one came out about a month ago, and I didn't even realize it. But um, the first two are great, and I'm sure the third one is as well. So uh, as far as I know, they're only available on 
Kindle, but pretty much if you've got a smartphone or anything uh, like it, you can you can get a Kindle app and and check it out. Trey Stiff, I do. I, I, okay, so here's the first paragraph of Stiff, uh, the first paragraph and a half, just to see if it's your if it's your cup of tea, because um, Mary Roach is very funny. She she's hysterically funny what she writes about, um, and it's also it's highly educational because she gets into these weird aspects of of science and so on. So this is the very first uh, paragraph of the first chapter um, from Stiff. Copyright, Mary Roach. All rights uh, reserved yeah. to the owner. Educational information. This is purely for fair use, uh, comment and criticism. The human head is approximately the same size and weight as a roasted chicken. I have never before had occasion to make that comparison, for never before today have I seen a head in a roasting pan. But here are 40 of them, one per pan resting face up on what looks to be a small pet food bowl. The heads are for plastic surgeons, two per head to practice on. I'm observing a facial anatomy and facelift refresher course sponsored by a Southern University Medical Center and led by a half dozen of America's most sought-after face lifters. The heads have been placed in roasting pans, which are the same disposable aluminum variety, for the same reason chickens are in roasting pans, to catch the drippings. I'm in. Delightful. <laughs> yes. It goes on. It's like, there's a very, I'm not going to read all the way into it, but there's a very funny moment coming up where her first question is, who cuts off the heads? <laughs> and they go, Yvonne. <laughs> Just like point to someone over there. You know, and, and then she talks about having a conversation with Yvonne. And all she can think of is, you cut off 40 heads. <laughs> you cut off 40 heads. But it's uh, fascinating. So Mary Rush, they're very wacky, wacky aspects of, of science. Um, bonk, stiff, spook, and packing for Mars. Uh, that, sounds like a, that sounds like a blast. I guess if Brian was here, what he would recommend to you is Red Mars, uh, Green Mars, Blue Mars which were by Kim Stanley Robinson. They're the Red Mars trilogy, not to be confused with, oh, the Martian Chronicles, but uh, they're, they're very expansive, hyper-detailed, hard sci-fi about the slow process of ecopoiesis and getting Mars from being a red planet to being a green and blue planet, and the culture and com uh, the communities that form on Mars as that's happening over the course of hundreds of years. Um, I read Red Mars. It, it's a little too dry for me. It, was an, it, it didn't grab me. Um, but they are expansive and everyone swears by them who makes it through it. So that's what Brian would probably say if he was here. I still have your copy of Red Mars. You left it in my car one time oh. when I was dropping you off at Trey's, actually. Oh, that's right. Oh. And then uh, I oh. still have it. Read it. God damn it. Yeah. Anyway, let's uh, let's wrap this up. Um, any any last little ones that you wanted to mention, but we haven't Once gotten to yet? A, a, a lukewarm mention, and this is really not a, not a slight against the author or anything, but um, someone who I, I, I originally discovered a while back because I follow his blog is a science fiction author named John Scalzi, who mm. um, periodically will write a, uh, a fascinating, trenchant uh, uh, blog post, which will get all kinds of play and, and get people all freaked out about stuff, which is which is kind of interesting. But he's a science fiction author. Um, most people read his blog because they like his books, and I came to it the other way around. So I said, well, I've read this guy's blog for a year. I should probably check out his actual books. He came out right now. He's very He's got a book out right now that you, if you've heard of anything, you may have heard of. It's called Red Shirts, um, which is a sort of satirical version of the Star Trek concept of the guys in the red shirts who never survive a mission. It's kind of a self-aware kind of novel, which I've, I downloaded the first four chapters of that one and, and haven't gotten around to it. But it, uh, one of his more popular books from that, uh, that he came out with a couple of years ago is called Old Man's War, which apparently is in the process of being developed into a movie, whether it will ever see the light of day or not, which I just read and was, and was interesting. Um, very kind of Avatar, but pre-Avatar. It came out before Avatar in a sense, but it's about, it's about a concept of a future society where when you're old, you can opt to just die of old age, or you can opt to have your consciousness transplanted into a super soldier and help protect the outlying ah. star systems. So it's all about these elderly people who join the military 
and get fresh new bodies. What's that book? Uh, it's called Old Man's War. That's cool. And I there's like a whole that. series of them. The first one is just kind of like a, it's very much Starship Troopers, which he very much admits is very much kind of an homage slash whatever of Starship Troopers has very, very much written in that same style. Very straightforward, like, yeah, and so-and-so got, you know, smashed to death, and so-and-so's head got blown off, and oh well, you know, on to the next mission, and so on. But um, it was an entertaining read, nothing nothing great, but apparently there's a whole series of them, and it, apparently it, it develops as a series and gets much more, even more interesting. So I'm considering checking out the rest of those. That but, sounds like a fun series. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Old Man's War, give it a try. It's a very quick read, very simple read, got some fun fun ideas in it. If you're, uh, if you're, I guess the other thing I'll say is if you're popping into audiobooks, or I guess they probably have it on Kindle, but it's nice on audiobook, is uh, the first volume of the autobiography of Mark Twain. The thing is the size what? of the dictionary. Yeah. You know, I think I've got that on here because it's like a, is, is that a, it's a recent book though. It's a fairly recent book. I've got book, some yeah. Mark Twain, but because it was a public domain. So right. that doesn't sound very it's interesting, actual, Michael. Yeah. It doesn't? It's Mark, Mark Twain's Twain writing Mark about Twain's his own life? Mark Twain's Oh, that's right. It was the one that you, wouldn't, you couldn't publish it until 100 years after yeah. his death. Oh, shit. Yeah. That. Yes. That yeah. I have heard of. Yeah. It's, it's actually really I gotta great. I got to check that out. The first, the first part of the, like the first chapter or two in the Audible are them, are, is really dry because it's like talking about where it came from and how it was restored and, and you know, how they did editing and stuff on it. Oh, my God. I don't care. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> but, once, but once it actually gets to the point where mark twain is speaking and it's it's very it's very free form like he was just it literally part of it was interesting because it does explain that he decided he wanted to have an autobiography so he just hired someone to come and he's like i'm just gonna talk at you and you're just gonna write it down and that's how it's gonna be and we're not i'm not gonna worry about like a narrative or any of that shit I'm just going to say everything I can think of until I stop. And so that's it it flows like that and stuff and it's very Mark Twain and it's just really do you really have the audiobook version of it? I do have the audiobook. Have you listened version. to it? I have. It's great. Is the guy who's doing it kind of it's, acting or is he just reading? If it's not Hal Holbrook, fuck it. He's put he's he's doing <laughs> it's a It's not Scott Brick, is it? He's doing a thing. I'll, I can look at it. I mean, he's, how, how do you he's, not have Hal Holbrook be, he's the, be the voice of it? Narrated by Grover Gardner. I don't okay. know who that is, but he does. He Sounds does like a fine a job. He does a fine job. Makes me really believe that it's Mark Twain speaking. Yeah, you, so. should, you should have haven't have You guys, what do you or both of you have another one ready? Because I don't want to end on a downer note, but um, I will say that there was one. There's a book that's like, oh my god, you have to read this book. Oh my god, you have to read this book. Okay, fine. Down, nook, press, you know, download. Do you want to buy this? Yes, I do. Okay, boom. Start start reading it. Got about halfway through, just, mm, sorry, I'm done. American Gods didn't do nothing oh for me. Oh my God, dude. Didn't do nothing for me. Neil really? Gaiman's book, right? Yeah. yeah. I had the exact same experience with American Gods two months ago. Wow. I, I picked it up and I was like, all right, let's do this. And I, I, I was sort of half into the voice. I kind of like, oh yeah, I see how people like this. Well, and, I'm and so I just, glad and I just sort of not just me. In the I world. just sort of petered out. Yeah, just sort of like just, I don't care. It just lost me after a while, and and uh, I know that makes me a terrible person or something. But uh, you know, I I just. And I'm not saying you suck if you like American Gods. I'm just saying that I was really like of a book that for years, oh my God, American Gods, the greatest novel ever written. Neil oh, Gaiman. wait, no, I lied. It wasn't American Gods. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't read American Gods. It was Good Omens. I okay, which I also Omens. have here and kind of was like... I had the, I, I, was, I picked yeah. up Good Omens for the first time and it was I've, like... I've been reading it. Well, I've got the sample. I've got the sample and I read the sample and I was kind of like, well, well, but I went ahead and plunged with American Gods because what other book... Is there that the people? Oh my God, the greatest book ever written. And I just, mm, good I, just, I got Good Omens on audiobook. Can't make it happen. I listened to the Take It or Leave It, but it had some amusing bits. Um, I love American Gods, though. So I have not, I have fine. not read American Gods. So we'll see what happens there. But yeah. that was what happened to me when I when well, I read uh, Good Omens. Apparently, I'm not recommending it. But uh, yeah, well. 
Yeah, anyway. Okay, so let's go. I mean, uh, I hate Neil Gaiman. He's still great on Twitter. Oh, Neil Gaiman's awesome. <laughs> I, I like everything about Neil Gaiman. Um, except for some of his works. Except, yeah. except I've never actually read anything of his, but that's okay. Well, you know, the, the, does the, that make me the, the equivalent? The does that make me the that, that makes me kind of the equivalent of the hot chick who dresses up for, as a comic that she's never actually read? Can I be a fan of Neil Gaiman without ever without that's exactly and right. not like his books? That's exactly right. Is that, is that okay? Is that cool? Or People that do it for Kevin Smith all the time. Okay. Yeah, um, fair enough. So let's uh, go back through and do our, our our top three recommendations for your airplane trips this oh, this year. Oh, man. From what we've all, from what we've already said, I don't even remember um, what I said. My recommendations are. Spin, which is the one about the stars going out. Uh, Robert Char- Charles Wilson. Uh, Reemdy by Neil Stevenson, which is the one about the MMORPG and Ransom and Heists and all kinds of fun there. And you know what? I- I'm going to, I'm going to, he doesn't need any of my help, but pick up a Malcolm Gladwell book. Blink yeah. or Outliers are, are good ones to start with. And uh, you will not be disappointed. Mike, what are some like three like solid recommendations? Um, I I would say Already Dead, The Translated Man, and um, I can't remember the, the yeah. one of the third ones I said. I don't know. I'll Bossy Pants. I'll, bossy I'll, bossy I'll, Pants. You'll you'll definitely see that on the rack at the airport. Pants, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Trey, well, in fact, I, it's just in uh, paperback. So there you go. I it, I often I haven't been in an airport in a while, but uh, you know, in, in places where they have racks of books in general. Um. You'll often see a Mary Roach book. I mean, they're fairly perennially in print, I believe. You know, so so Mary Roach spelled just like the the insect, um, bonk, stiff, spook. If you happen to catch catch that, or uh, Packing for Mars, I don't know. She should be coming out with a book. Packing for Mars came out like two years ago, so hopefully she's got a new book coming out at some point soon because she's she's great. Um, so if you find a Mary Roach, then go for that. And I guess the other one, uh, Born Standing Up, is Steve Martin. Yeah. Great, great airplane read because it's you know kind of episodic and you can kind of pick it up and put it down. Um, and it's probably in paperback by now, I would imagine. Um, oh, yeah. If you want to dig in, no, I'm talking about Segway. If you want to dig into a, a big, thick book, um, I imagine you can probably find 112263. Hell yeah, dude. And uh, that's, 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 that's for a long plane flight. Yeah, that's when you're going to New Zealand. Yeah, when you're <laughs> in New Zealand, then back. You know, get the back half. It's uh, 112263 took me like a week and a half to read. Yeah. You know, reading like two or three hours at night. Yeah. I, it's a big ass book. I did too, yeah. The hardback, when you buy it, it's, it's, you know, on the order of three and a half inches thick. It's huge. It's like bigger than Goblet of Fire. It's a big ass <laughs> brick of a book. But here on my nook, it's the same size as all the others. Yep. Meh. Anyway, get yourself an ebook reader, y'all. Yeah, it really is. Of all the, of yeah, all I, the, I recommend the Kindle. of all the new. I mean, I still don't have an iPhone. I still don't know why I would want an iPhone. But this, 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 all the books in a thing is awesome. I like this thing. Yeah, uh, I, I got Chloe a Kindle, and I've been using it much more than she has. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I recommend the Kindle. I got one of like the ninety nine buck ones that is yeah. just black and white and. Uh, yeah, this is well. This is the this is the nook. I just got a nook because it was a Barnes and Noble right down the street for me, and then had a sale. And I'm like, right, okay, give me one. Um, and you go, so you buy direct from Barnes and Noble. So of course you've got that as opposed to Amazon. Obviously, they're direct competitors, and there's some you can't read a Kindle book on on a nook and vice versa. They still got that rivalry going on. But um, and this is the one that's kind of a pseudo pad. It's you know the high end one. It's also kind of a web browser, and you can get email and stuff. And so it's a wannabe iPad. But I I really just the books. It's really mostly about the books. That's obviously my primary function, but it's you know it's great. I sit here and I check my email on this thing, and I like that. And I don't need a phone, but I can carry this and carry this around. It's great. So yeah, but the the e reader I think is probably one of the great one of the great breakthroughs. Even though it means the death of you know print book, books yeah. and print. Print is dead. Yeah, Mike, do you do your uh, iPad or your Kindle more? At this point, now that it used to be the the Kindle, but now with the, um, the smaller I, iPad, I'm such a shill now. Yeah, but but exactly now that it's a smaller iPad, it's actually about the same size as the Kindle. 
So it's like, I'm going to carry this around and use it for everything. And I totally do. And it's got, like I said, there's a Kindle app on it. So everything I've bought on Kindle, I can read on here. And it's great. I love it. Cool. So this is a recommendation from Down in Front. Read, read what we said and read it digitally. This has been Down in Front. You can always find more episodes at downinfront.net. Subscribe to us on iTunes. We talk about movies every single week. You can get a brand new episode. Except for this week. This week. <laughs> so yeah. talk about, uh, go to twitter.com, search Down in Front, Facebook Down in Front Show. Email us at downinfrontshow at gmail.com. Go to the forum. Involve yourself in the conversation at the forum. There will probably be some sort of a form of summarized list of what we just talked about if someone is nice enough to write them down as we're saying them. Didn't think so. Yeah. And uh, we have lots of wonderful, fun conversations with wonderful, fun people. And there's a big-ass PayPal button there on the front page down in front. You can use to give us money if you are so inclined. Or just buy a T-shirt or just listen to these shows for free because what the hell are you going to do? Hey, you know what we should do, Do we? I, I'll talk about that, boys. Never mind. Yeah. What oh. am I doing? Oh, okay. He was doing the thing. And this Sorry. has been Down in Front. Derailed uh, the whole Oh, point. shit. My name is always T. Christie. Mike Scott. Trace Stokes. This has been Down in Front. <laughs> Thank you much for listening. Good night. Good night. Wow. <laughs> we, will, we will have book links on the forum. Yes. That's what I'm saying. I hope, yes. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, what I'm, that's, that's yeah. the summarized list version of okay. this. Yeah. It could be a whole thread.